That was fantastic. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. We're all in, are we not? We are all in, and who knows what that means. You're busy today with your like, I don't know, what is this, a cult? We're all going to say we're all in, and then something's going to happen. What's going on? Well, let me explain to you that we have been in the book of Philippians for a while, and we're getting close. We finished chapter 3 today. And in my study, in my precursory study of this book, all the way back in the summer, I noticed a continuity that I had never seen before. In all my years of being a believer, reading the Word of God, preaching the Word of God, and that was how many times the word all shows up in Philippians. Now when you see a word that continually happens over and over, it's not by accident. There's a reason for it. And often within the evangelical or church or Christian community, many people love when you do a Bible study on the book of Philippians, right? Any of you out there? You hear there's going to be a study in Philippians. Oh, I think I'll be there versus the one in Judges. Yeah, I'm signing up for that. Well, one of the reasons is because there's just this natural proclivity towards unity that Paul speaks to in the book of Philippians. So today is fascinating. Today's subject, little hint, the title comes to the last verse of what we're going to look at, and it's subject. Now, normally you want to say subject, right? But subject. Isn't it amazing how bad the English language is grammatically? They're the same exact word, but just based off of uh, intonation, it means something completely different, right? subject all things let me uh let me put that up there so you can see it and we're in chapter 3 verses 17 through 21 now i want to share with you something that i discovered i have an amazing talent for uh i used to work in the yogurt business i know the oohs and ahs are staggering within the room right now high school i worked for tj's yogurt and cookie company now, before you all laugh, as a high school guy, I worked with four separate homecoming queens. Every guy in town wished he had my job. So, you know, just let's just, it's all about the yogurt. I promise you, it was all about the yogurt. But in the winter, nobody's coming for frozen yogurt. So you got a lot of time on your hands. And uh, I don't know what got in my mind at one point in time, but I opened the register Maybe I had a customer, one customer, I don't know what the deal was, but I saw my drawer and it had all this change in there. And so I just kind of got bored and I thought I would try that old trick. You know, the old trick of putting money on your elbow and then trying to catch it. How many of you have ever tried that? <laughs> Some of you are like, what? Why do you do that? Why do you do? I don't know. Why do we drink sugary drinks? I don't know. But yeah, there's, it's, it's like this kind of cool trick, right? So I just happened to have some money in my pocket. That's a rare thing. I happen to have some money in my pocket. And, you know, I, I've got, I got quarters, nickels, dimes. Would you like to see me? Would you like to, me to demonstrate my skill in this real quickly? What should I start with? A quarter, nickel, or dime? All of it? This guy's all in. This guy is all in. Well, it, it's, it's been a long time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Do you think the dime or the quarter would be easier? 
Yeah, the quarter's easier. So, I'm going to give this a shot. One quarter. Oh, it's in my back pocket. Come on, people. You're smarter than that. I didn't drop it in my back pocket. I actually caught it. I'll show you one more time. See, Julius? All right. Look, one more time. There's nothing in the hand. Here we go. Where'd it go? That is not part of the offering. Okay. Let's get that back. Our last verse today says that Christ subjects all things. Now the challenge we're going to have is, you know, maybe this quarter represents my finances. <laughs> That's kind of funny. There's some strange similarities there. Uh, maybe this quarter represents my finances. Maybe this nickel represents my relationship. Maybe this dime represents what? What else in life could this maybe represent? Character? My job. Okay. Maybe this dime represents addictions. Maybe this nickel represents offenses. Maybe this quarter represents guilt. You see where I'm going with all this? Maybe this dime represents eternal life. Maybe this nickel represents... Now some of you are like, you're losing track and you're like, whoa, he's got a lot of money there. What's he going to do here? It's okay. It's like SeaWorld. We have a splash zone here. So you two are in danger. Okay? Maybe this nickel represents redemption. Maybe this dime represents sin. Maybe this quarter represents joy. All things that are characteristic in all of our lives. Right? So what would be your recommendation if I was going to try to subject all of this and keep it under control and show that I've got it all in my hand? Would you put the dime down first? Would you put the nickel down first? Would you put the quarters down? What would be your order to stack all of these challenges of life on my elbow? Non-rhetorical. Anybody say dimes? If you're a dime person, you're a NASCAR person. You just want to see a crash, okay? <laughs> that, that's who's in the room right now. Folks, we gotta, we got to stack so that things flow the way they need to flow so that we can subject them all things we can subject them into my hand y'all better pray see this illustration works beautifully because if i caught it all i would have been representing who the Lord, but now I just represent myself. So some of it I was able to control. Some of it I wasn't. I will never be able to live that down. It's going to haunt me. I'll be doing this at home later. 
My man, Damien, witnessed it. I nailed it. I haven't practiced this in probably 42 years, but I nailed it earlier, and now it's just going to bug me. I'm not going to be able to preach. Don't ever do an illustration like that, ever. (laughs) Thank you, brother. Let's turn and look. Verses 17 through 21, and now it's my duty to help you understand why I just did all of that. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 17 through 21. Paul says this, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory is their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to what? To subject all things to Himself. We heard something in this same language or same tone at the end of chapter 2 or the middle of chapter 2 where Paul says, every knee shall bow to Christ on that day. Do you remember that? Now we're going to take a little bit of a macro view. We're going to have to revisit a lot of what we've seen already in the book of Philippians. So we get back and we kind of understand the exact tone of everything Paul's trying to communicate. And what can we glean from that today? So if you think about the illustration that I gave you today, I want you to remember this. By the way, my only A in science. That that was my record. I did three stacks of 10 nickels in high school. I know, I know. So many people wrote about that in the back of my yearbook. No. So subject to all things and... There's the passage, characteristics of those who are subject to all temporal things. We're moving towards this, but I want to help you grasp a key way to remember to walk away with what the Lord may have for you today. T-F-A. Right? So when you have to fly, you have to go through what? T-S-A. You all remember that, right? Um, and we have a lot of these kind of acrostics that are out there. Uh, today, the re- what TFA is, well, maybe I'll wait. We call that a teaser. Some of the questions I have for you today, or Paul actually has for you, is this. Do I want heaven? Do you want heaven? Do you want Jesus? Do you want spiritual freedom? This morning, we have to go backwards to get an essence of what the significance is in the Scripture that we're looking at today. We had to break because of time, but Paul did not break in his continuity of thought. So I want to take you back real quickly and look at the earlier passage that we taught on last week. 
where he says this, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Remember, already was our topic last week. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. We talked about the ownership of Christ last week. Paul doubles down here. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I haven't arrived yet. I still need to work at this, Paul's saying. So what does he do? But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are, now this is key, let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Now that I've read that to you, this next part, what we look at today, is going to make a whole lot more sense. Remember that Paul had heard that there were those trying to attack the church, trying to uh, kind of ride on his coattails. The church of Philippi had sent message to Paul that there were those who had stepped in in his two-year absence of being in the field, saying they're preaching dangerous things. We're not sure what to pay attention to or to understand. Do you and I live in that day? Absolutely we do. Everybody is a purveyor of truth. How many blogs do we now have? Anybody can get out there and sound like an authority. It's so magnified what's happening right here in the book of Philippians. So Paul writes this letter to give them confidence and to assure them and then to speak to this specific problem of those who are trying to come in and distort the truth. Now it gets very, very particular today. It's almost coming with a, 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 a tonality of warning, desperate warning, of how important this is. And remember that the title today is Subject All Things. Ultimately, next week, there will be a winner of all things. Right? What will they do at the end of a certain tournament? Well, it's not a tournament, it's just a game. They'll hoist up a what? Do both teams get to hoist that trophy? One team. One team. And it's the team that stays focused, pressing forward, forgetting the play that lies behind, straining to accomplish the goal. Right? Paul's talking in this athletic tone. And now he says, look, now I have to help you understand the person lined up across from you. They want to hurt you. Now if you want the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal is this. Guess what? I'm going to tell you who wins. Who wins next week? See, you felt the liberty to tell me who's going to win next week. We'll see if you have the gift of prophecy or you're going to get hit with rocks two weeks from now. No, I'm just, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But Paul finishes today by saying Christ will subject all things. You've got a lot of different information. You've got a lot of different uh, uh, conflated ideas coming at you. Don't worry. 
follow Christ. Paul says this one thing I do. Follow Christ. Follow His message. Not others. Not an interweaving of other messages. Not a dysphoric uh, appreciation of multiple uh, facets of philosophy. One thing. And why would you do that? Because in the end, Jesus wins. In the end, Jesus wins. The question is, do you want to be on the winning team? And what Paul does here to differentiate the two teams is very serious. So the context, we give you the context now, and really it's the cross versus true, or sorry, enemies of the cross versus true disciples. That's the setup for today of what we're looking at. Enemies of the cross versus true disciples. Straining to move forward and not looking to the past. And remember that he said, for those of us that are what? Mature. Hold to that truth. So this word subject, this, uh, it's got a very interesting kind of Greek thing, but you know how I feel about the Greek, right? I'll just, here, here, if you're new here, I'll show you how I feel about the Greek. How many of you speak uh, old Greek? So why on earth would I tell you a Greek word? Okay, there's no point, because you're not going to remember it, and you're not going to say it. Okay, except for one Greek word. You ready? What's the Greek word for love? See, you guys are Greek students and you didn't even know it. But uh, what you do need to know is that what this word means in the Greek, this, this word subject, is to put underneath. You know, if something is underneath my foot, for the most part, I have what? I have control. I came home last night from studying and there was yoga going on in my living room. My wife, my daughter, and uh, Abu Sami uh, were all doing yogurt. Yoga, I mean. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm getting confused. There's a lot of yogi stuff going. And I wish I could demonstrate for you what was happening. All you need to know is I got out of that room. That's all you need to know. Because they were not going to subject me to that kind of torture. And my daughter did this thing where, you know, it was like a Miyagi thing. I don't know what it was, but this leg went up here like this. She's standing on like a pinky toe and she's pointing. I, I don't know. So I just went like this. There we go. There's your, there's your yogurt, okay? They were not going to subject me to it. Think about what is being stated here. Jesus will subject all things. All things. Does it look chaotic now? Of course. Of course it looks chaotic. Remember how Satan came to Jesus and said, if you simply just worship me, I will give you all of this? Is there something in that statement that bothers you? Did Jesus give him a, a, a little bit of a truth slap and say, are you kidding me? Really? You're going there? He just quoted Scripture. Jesus used the truth to beat down a distorted message and He subjugated the lies of the enemy in the very moment. Amen? Amen. This is how it's done. This is how it's done. So let's look real quickly because I've got 
I got two lists. I actually have three lists. Paul is talking about, so if we're going to talk about the word subject, you've got a good idea of, of what Paul is trying to say, right? We, we, we've got that. We've established that. Paul is talking about discipleship. If you're going to notate something today and you want to understand the deeper values of discipleship and, and you say, well, I don't really see or understand where in the New Testament we keep talking about how important discipleship is and I see go and make disciples. We, you know, we've, we've got some of that on our walls. And, and, but you know, that was in the Gospels and we emphasize it so much. Where This is one of those passages. Without a doubt, look, verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk accordingly to the example you have in us. Now, this always bothered me. How many of you just love the arrogance of Paul? How many of you are aware of the arrogance of Paul? Okay, you are now. Who are we supposed to imitate according to Scripture? Christ and Christ only. So where does Paul find authority to say you see it it's right there imitate who imitate me but slow up imitate me and who else look at your scripture he says imitate me and others others who what give me the qualifier Walk accordingly. Paul understands what's going on here. He's speaking to the situation. He's not necessarily giving doctrine, folks. And why is he saying, look to me? The problem is that there's a challenge. The church at Philippi, the leadership, writes to Paul and says, who are we supposed to follow? These guys are coming in. The Judaizers, he had just talked about the Judaizers at the beginning of the chapter. He says, these guys are coming in with these different ideas. And, the, and, and we're not sure who to follow. And he says, Follow me and others like me. Brothers and sisters, this is discipleship. What was it I told you that sounded like TSA that I wanted you to walk away with today? TFA. TFA. Thinking, following, and acting. Or action. However you want to put it. Thinking, following and action right here is the first hint of it paul says that you should follow him and others like him why because of how they think how do i make that extrapolation because of what he had just said in the prior verses that are all connected to this right for those of, for those of us who are mature in our thinking right let us hold to that truth He's establishing for this church that there is a necessary part of our adaptation, our choices in life, that we should think, we should follow, and we should act like Christ. That is the measurement. So if someone comes into our world with another gospel, as Paul would say, we should measure that against what we just looked at, the TFA. And Paul is saying, look at myself and look at others like myself. And what does he say that's so fascinating about this? He acknowledges the reality that there are those who first start out like us and then they fall to other things. 
And he says, with tears, I mention them. With tears, I mention them. He says that they are enemies. Let me review it. So you have this discipleship command, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as, and here it comes, enemies of the cross. There are two different people in the room according to Scripture. There are those who are disciples in Christ who look forward to unity with Christ and there are those who are enemies of the cross. That doesn't preach real well on the internet. But that's okay because that's Scripture. And that's the reality. Have you ever had to tell someone something tough that was hard to tell them, but you did it for their benefit? This is what Paul is saying. Look, folks, we can't pretend here. What they are talking about, what they are trying to subject you to. By the way, that's why Paul uses this language, is that these individuals, these other leaders, these other voices were coming into the church and trying to subject the church to this erroneous teaching. To put you and I underneath things that were not of Christ or scriptural. And we'll get into that in a moment. So, he differentiates about enemies. Let's do a little, little walk here. Go back to Philippians 1. And what we're going to do is we're going to unpack through deductive reasoning how Paul has been hinting at this the whole entire book. He's been talking about the faithfulness of those who have joy in the unity of Christ versus those who are enemies of the cross who seek to tear us down and break that unity and subject us to a false teaching, to a powerless way of life, to their way of thinking so they can subject others under their control. So verse one, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says this, "...some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the Gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment." Do you remember that? If you don't, turn to verse 28, where Paul says, and not frightened in anything by your what? Opponents. This is some pretty harsh language, but this is the coach at halftime trying to save his team. Right? Let's keep looking. Go over to chapter 2. Actually, I'm, I'm going to read more of 28. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation and that from God. Chapter 2, verse 15 again, says what? That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a what? Crooked and twisted generation. Verse 21 says the following, For they all seek their own interests, not those of who? Jesus Christ. And 
Just going back a couple weeks ago, chapter 3, verse 2 says, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Paul is like a father figure who sees those who have come in and want to subject. What would you do for your children if you saw someone come that had nefarious ideas? To what lengths would you go to protect your children? To what lengths would you go to protect your spouse, your parents, your church? Paul is speaking from love and concern as a father because there's nothing he can do physically. He's in a prison in Rome. And so he can only teach. Remember T-F-A, right? T stands for what? Thinking. F stands for what? Follow. A stands for what? Action. How you think, who you follow, and how you act will determine your destination and my destination. One of the primary things, and I'm only going to say it now, one of the primary things we should take from today and what Paul is saying is, which side am I part of every day? Remember Paul's conversation earlier on this point is that I leave those things behind that have no relevance. I strain towards the goal and I do this each day. Each day. And it has to start with thinking. Colossians 3.2 speaks to this. Paul's always talking about be careful about how you think and who you listen to and who you let listen or who you let influence your thinking. Paul uses this phraseology. He says, empty and worldly philosophy that leads people to, and here comes the D word again, destruction. Had to sign some contracts this week with my daughter. Her first car, if, you, if anybody's interested, it's for sale. But you're going to probably have to push it. Uh, so we're, we're, we've been car hunting for a month and a half, and we found something. We're still not 100% sure that we're, we're locked into to going with this thing. There's a little problem we've got to work out today, but... You know how it is. Boy, my daughter got a rude awakening with how many times she had to sign her life away on Friday. Do -do -do -do. Initial, initial, sign, 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 initial, initial. Initial the thing that says that what you initialed was your initial signing. Right? Choices. How do you think? And I tried to coach her. Are you sure you're ready for this? In its worst case scenario, why is this a wise decision? Why might it not be a wise decision? How would you base this off of the previous actions and other people who make choices that are emotional? Oh my gosh, look at that car. Oh, I just want that car. Yeah, well, have you checked it out mechanically? Uh, let's take it over to this mechanic. But that's going to cost me 90 bucks. Just do it. Okay, here we go. And puts it up on the rack. $5,000 later, your car might run, keep running for the next six years. What? That was three cars ago. Guess what she had no argument with this time? Paying for a mechanic to check out the car. Because she learned through actions and her thinking has been influenced and changed. And she follows somebody who knows what he's talking about. 
Because I've been burned so many times and we all know what that looks like. So Paul lays down the, these two camps, these two teams, right? The enemies of the cross and those who seek unity with Christ. Let's look at this. Characteristics of those who are subject to all temporal things. Temporal is just such an archaic word. Makes you sound like, it doesn't make you sound like anything. I, nobody knows what te- It means temporary. I, I chose the word because I like what it means. Temporary and physical things that are all going to burn. All right? So what drives your thinking? What drives your, let's see, what was F? I forgot. What are you following? And what are you acquiring? Oh, that wasn't A. What was A? Oh, yeah, actions. I'm a master teacher, right, Mike? Characteristics of those who are subject to all temporal things. The enemies of the cross. Let's look. Number one, they're destined for destruction, Paul says. Did you hear that? Did you hear that in the passage? Not only in the passage we read today, but in the previous verses, probably six, seven verses earlier that we covered last week. We heard it at the beginning of the letter. We heard it in the middle of the letter. Have you ever met someone destined for destruction because of how their thinking was, who they were following, and all of that affected their actions? And in some ways, maybe that's me. And you know why? Because according to Ecclesiastes, I'm chasing after the wind. And I'm convinced that wind is better than Jesus. Why? Because I wasn't running like Paul talks about. There was not one thing I was chasing, which is Jesus. I scattered. And that's why I can't subjugate all those things into my hand. I can't control them. And so, all those things, I might control some of them, but eventually I'm destined for destruction. Because I have limitations. I am futile in my thinking. We are futile in our thinking if it's outside of Christ. Secondly, <coughs> let's just go past this one. That's just, I can't handle that one. <coughs> no, let's go back. Oh, what did I do? Their God, I did it again. Their God is their belly. Okay, now, I'll just tell you an erroneous teaching on this. It has to do with gluttony. Gluttony can be included. He's using figurative language that includes so much more. What this is speaking to is their God, that which subjugates them, that which they devote themselves to, that which they're thinking, they're following, and their actions are all in accordance with, has everything to do with fulfilling their desires self-gratification folks that comes in a lot of ways for some of us that comes through starbucks for others it it, it comes in other ways you know a really good test is if if you cringe at the idea of going without something maybe you need to go without something if jesus isn't enough and you can't run that pattern or that test then maybe you're following a pathway of destruction. Something that eventually you will not be able to control. It will what? It will subjugate you. 
They glory in their shame. Paul speaks to the attitude of those individuals that have come in. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of reference here that the terminology that theologians have, have described this as is called antinomianism. All right? And he's speaking about the Judaizers. What has happened is that there has been a group of individuals who think differently. They follow more than the cross. And their actions are actually, in fact, against the grace of God. This is why Paul says what he's saying. So what is antinomianism? Are you saved by your good works? No. Right? Now, not just because you said no, but, but Jesus said no. Paul in Romans 5, you are, you are saved through your faith. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, <coughs> 9 and 10, on and on. Now, our works come out as an extension of the Spirit now residing in us, pulling us towards righteous living. Amen? The problem we have and what antinomianism is, and it's prevalent and alive and well today, brothers and sisters, is that this group that Paul was speaking to more than likely held this same belief that is prevalent in our churches today. Grace is enough. We actually even have a song. Right? Pastors often call it the antinomian song. No, we don't. Your grace is enough. Your... Is that a true statement? Absolutely, in context. Let me pull back the curtain and help you understand why this can be dangerous and what Paul was speaking to. These individuals throughout the moral law because you're saved by grace. Therefore, you can do whatever you want because you're saved by grace. Have you ever met the person who says, I'm just going to pursue what I want because God will what? Forgive me. Their heart was never changed. Or, or they were misled and not taught well. And so the challenge that Paul says is, who are you listening to? These individuals want to subject you back to this old way of thinking, not just the old way of thinking, but also this new spurious, harmful focus that is an enemy of the cross that distorts who Jesus is and what it means to live with spiritual freedom. And in fact, they will lead you into your own destruction. Brothers and sisters, it's not about checking boxes and living so that we are approved by men. It is that we are more and more perfected into the likeness of whom? Christ. And that Christ shines through us. That looks a certain way. Amen? And there are those who can try to fake it and it doesn't pass the sniff test. There are those that there is, like my brother said, there is a true transformation. They may still struggle here and there, but there is a transformation that's happening. And it bothers them that they struggle with sin. Amen! Because that is evidence of the Holy Spirit at work. If the Holy Spirit 
is at work in your life, then that's evidence that you know the Lord and He is your King. But these individuals, they glory in their shame. It took a while for you to explain what Paul was saying, but do you get it now? Can you connect the dots? They glory in their shame. They openly... I don't even have the adjective for it. (laughs) Waddle around in their sinful freedom. Have you ever met believers like that? And all they want to say to that idea of not conforming to the likeness of Christ, but conforming to the pattern of the world, Romans 12, they want to hold to their own version that makes them a what? Enemy of the cross, Paul says. Their minds are set on earthly things. Brothers and sisters, this is one of the easiest ways to figure out if there's good thinking and good thinking require, or, or demands that we would follow it, and following the good thinking produces different actions. TFA. Pretty good stuff, right? That when we look at someone who truly has been transformed, their life truly has been changed, guess what? We go right back to verse 17 and 18, where Paul says, imitate me. And follow the others who have that same example. Stop watching these others that are leading you into destruction. Does that make sense now as to why Paul says this? On the front side, it looks like an arrogant statement. In essence, what is he doing? He's answering with a clarion call. Stop following. Stop listening to those that will lead you to destruction. Well, let's look at the characteristics of those who are subject to all what? Eternal things. Right? The balances. Oh, it's just brilliant. Okay. Paul says they're destined for where? Heaven. Remember I asked you a short while ago, which do you desire? Do you desire heaven or do you desire hell? Do you desire God's grace or do you desire destruction? TFA has everything to do with that. If we follow Christ, we reap the benefits of unity with Christ and ultimately that's the trophy we're playing for is heaven. And here's the thing. You can't lose. You can't lose. Unless, and I want you to remember this point as I'm wrapping up, you start listening to another Gospel. Remember Paul said there were those among us. They were of us. They listened. But then they started listening to other voices or their own thinking. Futile thinking. Romans 1. And it led them astray. And pretty soon they were following other things. And pretty soon their actions, Romans 1, were despicable. And now they're no longer of us of the kingdom. They have forfeited their pursuit of heaven. Their desire is to be united with Jesus Christ. I'm going to make this point real simple. What is it you would put in front of Jesus? Now that's easy to say in church on Sunday from the pulpit. But tonight... When you're at home and you have some choices to make on your taxes or what to watch or how you can speak 
to family members. On and on and on. What comes between you and Jesus? We can say we want to be united with Christ, but guess what? When you put the TFA against it, it shows, kind of measures us where we are with that in reality. I encourage you to do that. That's a great process of discipleship. They glory in a new perfected body. This one's easy. How many of you are ready for that new perfected body? Yeah, right? Even, even the world talks about if you don't have your health, you got nothing, right? And, and there's, a, uh, there's now a new... Uh, <laughs> I love it. I heard a radio advertisement. I, think, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it from the pulpit, and I'm actually probably doing some kind of advertising for free here. Um, I'll just say don't buy it, okay? So there you go. Uh, guy actually markets his product. It's a... I'm just going to call it a serum. <laughs> he calls it a drink or something, right? That's going to cure you from... A to Z. And he actually calls it voodoo elixir. Try my voodoo elixir. You know what? There's going to be people who buy it. Because why? We are so concerned about our health. Have you ever been in that position? That you hurt so badly it's all you think about? With Christ... We get a new body. It'll be perfected. Now that's not why you sign up for the program. But what a beautiful benefit. Amen? What in fact that is saying is that this body, this temporal body which the enemies of the cross tend to worship, this is broken. Let's stop exalting this. But let's look forward to that new body that God is going to give us. They subjected themselves to a righteous, eternal, and supreme power Paul wraps up with. My question is this. Who, who do you want to handle your money? Do you want me to put your money on my elbow? Or do you want God to put your money on His elbow? Where every time it just stays in His hand. Every time, it stays in His hand. Paul finishes this important message to the church at Philippi by saying, Jesus Christ is that supreme power. He has that ability. Not only the ability, He will subjugate all things in the end. So go with a winner. Let me give you three things this morning in closing. Paul teaches us the power of TFA, right? Number one, if you want to measure yourself this week and really apply what we're looking at, start with these three things. Who you listen to affects your thinking. Who you listen to affects your thinking. If I'm saying something that doesn't strike true to the Word of God, I better be getting some emails first from my elders and then from you throughout the week. We better be sharing what the truth is like Paul talks about. So who are you listening to? The Grammys are tonight. Who are you listening to? Oh, that's just music. That doesn't affect us. Oh, gosh. You go ask someone in the music industry if they believe that. 
There are very powerful people that know all they have to do is get their message out through music and they subjugate you. This isn't new news. Who are you listening to? Who you follow affects your identity. Joe figured this out last week. Or two weeks ago. No, it was last week, right? Yeah, I'm asking Joe to relive that whole moment. Now, Joe is not wearing his Green Bay jersey today. I, look, I'm just making a point. Who you follow affects your identity. It's interesting, I've had individuals talk about, you know how churches will bring in celebrities, right? This big whole thing that, that was popular about three months ago about Kanye West, right? And Kanye became a believer. And I had more people coming up to me asking, do you think Kanye's really a How would I know? I hope he is. And you know what? There's some actions that show that are predicated off of who he's following that's predicated off of who he finally listened to. Right? Who you follow affects your identity. It'll show. It'll show. Who you imitate affects your glory. Affects your glory. Have you ever met a truly godly woman? People just talk about a godly woman in a different way. That's the best way for me to describe what Paul's talking about. This morning in closing, whoops, well I lost it. There it is. There are two kinds of people in the room according to Scripture. There's an enemy of the cross or a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. The question is, which one are you? Which one do you want to be? How do do you get there when you evaluate that? TFA. TFA. Now you're not fine. (laughs) Don't go looking through the epistles of the New Testament looking for TFA. But hopefully we establish that this is what Paul's telling us. Let me close in prayer today. Father, thank You for this very important message from Your Apostle to lead us into an understanding of what it means to make good choices, who we listen to, who we follow, affects our actions. Let us be the church that reflects Your glory, not our own. Let us make the choices this week that our lives are changed because we realign who we listen to. Let us shove out all the periphery that has nothing to do with the cross. Let us live with a singular purpose that we might be united with You. We thank You for this message. Apply it to our hearts. In Your name, Amen. I'm going to ask if you wouldn't just stand up where you are and greet one another.